Hello and welcome to this special bonus edition of the Talk About It Mate podcast. In this episode, we explore what it means to be proud about it, mate. And by it, we mean to be a member of the LGBTQIA community. At Talk About It Mate, we welcome a broad church of members and seek to provide a safe space for all. In conjunction with this, we'll be attending and running events at several Pride events over August 2021, such as Leventune Pride, where our Proud About It Mate organizer, Sarah, will be running a peer support group. There's plenty more info on our meetup and link tree, but for now, let's meet Sarah, Dana, and Levi. Help if I unmuted myself then, then really didn't say. Well, hello everybody, and uh, welcome to Talk About It Mate's new podcast, Proud About It Mate. I'm Sarah, I'm going to be hosting the podcast today, uh, and with me I have the lovely Dana, Levi, and John. As always, we're going to start with our check-in, just describing how we're feeling in the here and now. So, who'd like to check in first? Uh, I can go first if you like. I'm happy to go first. Uh, So, my name's Dana. Uh, I am 23. I'm a a woman. Um, I'm I'm all right for the current being. I'm pretty good. Life's been a little bit difficult, but I think it's been the same for quite a few people in in the certain situations. Um... But yeah, that's a little rough me, I guess. Anyone else? <laughs> Thanks for checking in, Dana. Who'd like to go next? I'll go next. So, hi, I'm Levi. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. Um, I'm a member of the LGBT plus community, so I wanted to be part of this podcast. Um, uh, today I'm okay. I'm off work at the moment, so I haven't been feeling great, but um, hopefully this will help. Thanks for checking in, Levi, and thanks for being here. It's a pleasure. John, would you like to check in? Yeah, go on, I'll check in. I'm feeling pretty good at the moment. I feel like I've had an accomplished day. Um, really pleased to be a part of this in my my own very particular way. Um, and it's, a, it's very strange for me to sort of not be in charge of the podcast process. So I'm excited to see how that kind of goes. Um, how about yourself, Sarah? How are you doing? Do you know what? I'm really, really well. I've had a a really good weekend, been out uh, and actually seen people for the weekend. So, uh, yeah, that's felt really good. And and obviously, I've got uh, my lovely project coming up, Proud About It, mate, in August uh, with Talk About It, mate. So I've had the privilege of uh, working on that for the last couple of weeks and meeting some really, really nice people from the LGB plus community. So, Shall we uh, go on to have uh, a chat about the LGB community, guys? Uh, What I wanted to do today uh, was just talk about what we've experienced uh, growing up, what we experience now. Uh, And yeah, one of my main things that I wanted to discuss was uh, the use of language with some people, really. So I think uh, a couple of us mentioned at the beginning our pronouns. So I'm Sarah, I identify as female, and my pronouns are she, her and they. Um, One of the things that I've noticed in uh, modern society is that people of who are members of the LGB community uh, find it really, really easy when they meet somebody to ask the pronouns. However, I found that people who aren't part of that community still haven't caught up on the thing of it's polite to ask a pronoun. Has anybody else had any experience with that? So uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because I forgot to mention my pronouns. (laughs) So my pronouns are uh, she, her, uh, and I'm a bisexual woman. Um, And when it comes to uh, me, I'm in the younger generation, I guess you would say I'm 23. Um, and that I feel comfortable when someone comes up to me and goes, so what's your pronouns? And I'll just say, these are my pronouns. And I'm happy to 
you know, when I'm having a, like a meeting or the first time I'm meeting someone, I'll happily ask their pronouns as well. Um, I think it's a nice way of uh, introducing yourself without having to explain yourself too much as well. Uh, especially for people that might be non-binary, they can just say, my pronouns are they, them, and then they don't have to sit there and be like, actually, it's because of this, or when I was this age, and it's, I, I like it, I prefer it, but obviously I can understand why people might find it difficult, because it's new in a way, it's like everyone's like not used to not giving out handshakes, kind of like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I come up against this a lot. I mean, in my work, it's normal for people to display their pronouns if they're comfortable doing so, to use their pronouns, to ask one another their pronouns, because I work in the LGBT community. Um, but I'm aware that not necessarily just the older generation, actually, across the generations, there can be a sense that this is being silly, that it's being silly, like, you know, it's obvious what pronouns people are and also there can be an objection to using they them um, for non-binary people who choose to use they them because that's obviously a plural and and some people their sense of grammar overtakes their sense of what's comfortable for another person and you know sometimes we have to swallow I get I get upset about text speak personally because I'm that age when we, when we were taught proper grammar and spelling but you know if somebody wants to write gr8 to me it's important that they've said they're great. It's not important how they wrote it. And I think sometimes people have got to get over themselves and and try to understand that this is not about how uncomfortable or strange it feels to their ears or their minds, but about how uncomfortable or distressed it can make LGBT people feel, particularly members of the trans or non-binary community. You know, it's about making those people feel they're a part and a valuable part of society. I, I think um, I have to I have to admit my trepidation in sort of wading into some of these issues, but I promise I'll try and not apologise for my uh, yeah trepidation throughout. Um, this will be the last time. I, I, my view on this is that I'm really grateful when people do um, offer their pronouns um, in a proactive sense at, at work. We we have a lot of people that that have it as part of their signature, and it, like you say, Dana, it, it helps me to understand them without needing to ask any questions which I wouldn't necessarily want to ask because it's their prerogative to sort of offer that up or not um, in the same way that lots of things about ourselves are but I have to be honest and say that when I've come to I've thought about um, offering out my own pronouns which are traditionally in this sort of you know um, yeah traditional sense I'm trying not to use that word disparagingly uh, he him I do identify as male um but I always feel like it's not my place. And am I like, is it performative? Is it virtue signaling if I was to do it? Or, but then I've heard it's, it's allyship. And, you know, if you do it, it makes other people more comfortable in doing it. But I've actually never had that conversation with someone from the LGBTQ plus community. So I guess <laughs> it's not a stage question, but w what's your guys' view on that? Not to ask a direct question that might make people feel uncomfortable. But yeah, would you want someone like myself to be proactively putting that out there definitely i think uh i i told you that i really wanted you on this podcast john i think uh it's really important uh that questions like this are asked because it's such a simple question and the answer is simply gosh yes because like levi said if it can make somebody feel not uncomfortable make them feel like they're a valid member of society and like they fit in just because it's normal to display your pronouns or ask your pronouns then yes it should be normal for 
everybody and if everybody just does it and it becomes a way of life in my work email I have my pronouns on my work email and if everybody did it it wouldn't be unusual that I do it but when I send out all my emails apart from the people who I work with nobody else does it so it's it's usual for where I work but it's unusual for everywhere else so why not just make it usual everywhere why not just make it yeah why not bring it in because what I don't get is this isn't an attack at you, obviously, John, but if we did bring that in and if it just became the norm, how would it affect you? Would it affect you? Yeah. What difference would it make to your life? Would it change your life at all? Would it change the way you identify? No, but it will change the way, like Dana said, that I don't have to explain myself. I um, personally identify as pansexual. And uh, one of the other things that I've really struggled with is uh, trying to prove to everybody that I'm gay enough. Um, I mean, I was forced out in school, forced out, um, not very nicely forced out either. I'm actually uh, writing a blog to coincide with the events that I've got coming up in, in August called I'm Not Gay. Because for a long time, I, I didn't want to admit it because I was bullied so badly, forced into a situation that I just lied and told everybody that I wasn't gay. And then when I came out as pansexual and I've had uh, past girlfriends, past boyfriends, one of the questions that uh, p even people of the LGB plus community ask me is, when, when did you last have a partner that wasn't male? And because it's over 10 years ago, I get comments like, oh, well, surely you're just straight then. Surely you've chosen men. Surely. And you think, what, what do I have to do? Do I have to go and find a woman in the street and snog her in front of you to prove that? And pan so why do I need to prove my gayness? And I think, yeah, I've gone from... Being a child will, who would have done anything to not be gay and to, to, in inverted brackets, be normal, to being an adult who kind of now has to prove to people that I'm gay. So, yeah, I was wondering if anybody else has uh, experienced either being forced out uh, sexually or experience of being not gay enough. Uh, I can definitely relate to that situation because I am married to a man. Um, and when I got married to uh, my uh, partner, my mother actually turned around and said, well, this is the straightest you've ever been because uh, I previously dated a lot of women. <laughs> um, and so it's still seen um, within my family that I am now straight uh, and this is the straightest I'll ever be because I'm now married to a man. Um, I also sometimes feel that when I get invited to like LGBT plus events, um, sometimes I question myself, I'm like, but I, I'm seen as a, like a, a, we're seen as a straight couple and therefore do I, am I counted in that even though realistically I am the B, so therefore I am, I'm in the, the acronym. Um, but I always have to, I always question myself sometimes because it's like, oh, I look straight, um, so therefore maybe I am. Where in reality I know I'm definitely not. <laughs> oh. um, but no, when I was in school, um, I was I was questioning a lot of myself and whatnot, so I talked with friends, um, and then my friends did help me through my kind of like discovering myself. Um, but then the only problem is, is some of my friends also told other people um, about my experiences, which obviously I didn't consent to. Um, but at that time, everyone was like not bullying, but more like asking me loads of questions. And then at, at that point in time, I wasn't even sure myself, so I was like, I didn't know how to answer those questions. Uh, but now. I definitely know what I am and I feel more comfortable about talking about my sexuality compared to when I was um, a young teenager and I didn't really know myself very well anyway. Um, so it was, I won't say forced out, but it was more like people were talking about me, like rumours and stuff, which then 
made people start asking loads of questions and things like that. So did that's my experience a... anyway. Sorry to interrupt. Did you become the fascination? Do you ever find that? Because I find that if I'm in a group of um, straight friends, that questions, I pl- ask me any questions. If you don't understand something, if you want to know something, ask questions. But I think that sometimes you can turn into a bit of a, an amusement for people. So it will go beyond asking questions that they're genuinely interested in to questions that they think it's funny to get an answer from. And, you know, like the age question of what the lesbians do together in bed. And it's like, yeah, you know, I'll ask you, a, I'll answer a question about a pronoun, but I'm not going to ask you uh, answer a question of what I do in bed. Because I'd never dream of walking up to a straight couple and go so what do you do in bed then <laughs> what yeah, do you exactly. do with each other in bed however if i meet and again i am sorry john but it tends to be tell a straight male that uh you know i've been with a few women in the past and gosh they want the details they don't want to know if i was in love and how long i was with them for and where did we meet and how long we were together no 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 they just wanted to know what we did in bed together and i think uh Again, one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast, uh, we're probably going to be doing a, another one where we're going to be having more questioning, is to just break down those things of, you can ask me questions of what it's like to be with a woman, just appropriate questions of what it's like to be with a woman, and expect me to ask you the same questions back, because don't ask me something if you're not willing to answer it either. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, well said, Sarah. Personally, I find that kind of questioning actually homophobic. Yeah, I think it's straightforward homophobic. As you said, they would not walk up to a straight couple and say to the woman or the man of that couple and say, yeah, well, kind of, what are you two to get up to then? They would never dream of it. Mm-hmm. But if you're an LGBT plus person, people feel that somehow allowed. I think it's straight out homophobic and I'd call it out. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, uh, going back to kind of um, experiences and how experiences have changed. I'm older than any of you three here by a fair bit I would recommend I would think and um, I mean the, the the trouble for me growing up is I grew up knowing in my heart I was a gay boy which was unfortunate because everybody else could see a little girl so um, that was really really difficult for me I remember a, a, a a challenging phase at early secondary school when it was the rage to make love hearts and put your initials you know of the boy you were in love with all the girls were doing that um, and I also did and put the initials of the boy I was in love with and immediately realised I can't do that because I can't allow the other boys to know I am gay. Mm. So at 12, that was how firmly my identity was established that I feared being beaten up as a gay boy despite the fact that I was seen by everybody else as a girl. Mm. Um, so... Now, also, a thing about that from the trans perspective, people growing up now in the community who are trans or non-binary possibly have no, no idea what it was like to be trans, trans growing up in the 60s and 70s. There was only one word. It was transsexual. It was derogatory. It was referred to in the same, the same meaning as somebody who was a pervert. And it was always about somebody born male who wanted to, in speech marks, wanted to be a woman. Um, and yeah, it was all messed up, uh, confused with transvestites. Um, so I grew up, that was my only um, insight into a trans person. So of course it, it had no no relation whatsoever to what I was experiencing growing up. I didn't know that somebody who was born a female 
could be like I was. So the only word I had for what I was was wrong. So I spent my entire childhood, youth and early adulthood knowing nothing about myself except that I was wrong. And that's an incredible weight to bear. And, and being allowed in my later life to be who I am openly is an incredible freedom and an incredible privilege that's been hard won. And so to, to be aware as I am through my work and through my personal life that there is at the moment in this country a massive anti-trans movement, specifically mostly aimed at trans women, but it makes no difference to me. I'm a trans person. Um, it's incredibly hurtful. It's harmful. Um, it, there, there's a big rise in hate crime against trans women. Uh, and it, I find it tragic. So uh, unfortunately, bringing a sort of lower, lowering the tone a little bit, there is a very serious side to us having this kind of conversation. You know, we, we're assuming that everybody who, who meets a member of the LGBT plus community um, is a reasonable person who wants to know who wants to include unfortunately there is elements out there who want no such thing yeah it's difficult because i exist in kind of an echo chamber of quite liberal thinkers i think sometimes because i, I always recall back to a summer when i was a youth worker it wasn't that long ago maybe like five years ago and we had a trans person as part of the group of young people and the level of acceptance in that quite diverse group of people was exceptional. Like it was, it was almost even five years ago as it, you know, before, from what I can see, the pronoun um, movement um, was even a thing. Um, th there was just no discussion of it. And, and I think that gave me a false sense of, oh, well, you know, we, we've done it as a society. You know, we've, 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 I mean, I, growing up, I, I felt like a lot of changed around, you know, the whole concept of sexuality and that no longer being a problem in inverted speech marks, you know, and I felt the same thing was potentially happening for trans people. But clearly the question that I had actually in my head before you started saying that Levi was, how is it possible that we can feel like that? And yet clearly like things like I can see that movement against particularly trans women Um you know, it's, it's ruined my view of people like J.K. Rowling, for example. And and also the fact that we still don't, it's just an example of this, but we don't have an openly gay, professional, elite um, sports man, at least. It's definitely sports man. There's, there's lots of openly gay sports women. Um, sportsmen um, in most of our sports and definitely not, for example, in, in football. Um, and that speaks to the fact that there is at least a fear of homophobia if we even believe that that is no longer a problem, it clearly is. It clearly, um, there is still a fear there for, for anyone. And there must be, uh, <laughs> there definitely is a significant proportion of, of gay sportsmen out there who feel yeah, they cannot be. be themselves. There must be. Because, you know, we are, we're here. Do you know what? We exist. Some of us play football. Some of us play tennis or, or rugby or golf. Where are they all? In hiding. The only uh, the only Still. prominent one I know is the rugby player, the Welsh yeah. rugby player. So he came out, he openly came out, didn't he? And then unfortunately, he um, has gone on to contract AIDS, and he's come out and been very open about that as well. Uh, so he, but apart from that, you, you're quite right. I, I I couldn't name you another prominent gay sportsman that I know. But um, the last gay tennis player was Navratilova to come out openly. Seventies. 
Yes. And, I, and I feel like for women it is, and it's and it's almost a bad thing. It's almost easier for gay female athletes to do that because almost like being an athlete is a masculine thing in a traditional gender sense, which is not a good thing to think. Uh, you almost, uh, you know, there's definitely a proportion of society that probably assume that a female football player is more likely to be gay than not. Like that's probably a thing. Um, people like me probably, yeah, too many of us think like that, but it, I think you talk about, I think he's called Gareth Thomas, this rugby player that you just, yes. you're talking about. Yes. And there are openly gay sportsmen, but they're all retired or they're all, they're in different countries or they're in slightly like less high profile professional leagues. Um, but none at that sort of elite still playing level. And I think we don't need to go over that whole issue, but it just speaks to the fact that, you know, I live in an echo chamber where I think, like you said, um, I think both of you said it or referred to it, you know, you know, we've made so much progress. We're at this stage, but actually there's still a long way to go. I think uh, what's really important as well, John, is you said, oh, uh, maybe I think that as well, you know, about if you saw a female sports person. It's okay for that thought to cross your mind. As long as when that thought's cross your mind, you've then thought, oh, well, maybe I, I shouldn't assume that, should I? It's okay. We are programmed in a certain way and we have all grown up through a certain society. And I, I was talking about it the other day. I went on, um, went for a fire. The guy that I went with is, is pansexual as well. So we both identify the same. Yeah. In my head, when we went to light the fire, I passed in the fire stuff and went, you're the man, you light the fire. And then as soon as I did it, I thought, why if I, I don't, I don't think that. I, and I lit the fire. He couldn't get the fire going. I lit the fire. But when I'd said the words that came out my mouth, we sat down and he said, why did you say that? And I was like, I don't know, because I don't think that. That is not what I think. But as soon as it came to light in the fire, I was like, man, fire, here you go. But yeah, so it's okay to, it's okay to think, oh, bet they're gay. As long as you don't follow it up with, well, why would I think that just because they play football or, or whatever? It's okay to have these thoughts and it's really okay to question somebody. Not question them as in, are you gay? But ask questions if you know somebody is gay or however they identify. If you're curious about something, ask. If I was curious about something uh, to do with your life, John, I'd ask. And I wouldn't be, you know, I'd ask you, how how are things going with Annalise? I obviously wouldn't uh, dive into your sex life because that would be inappropriate. But I'd feel comfortable asking you questions about your relationship. Um. I've also, I had the, the privilege, Levi, of opening the, uh, the birdcage, the cabaret nightclub, uh, that used to be in Manchester. So I had the absolute privilege of working with lots and lots of trans people, uh, helping a, a few through the journey and whatnot. And I tell you what, I, I don't think I used to use the correct language until I started working with drag queens. A drag queen is somebody that dresses up as a male or female for entertainment purposes. And when we used to get the, the straight people coming in the club going, oh, look at that transgender person. The, the, the drag queens used to get so upset because uh -huh. they're being misidentified. And yeah, I, exactly. That was about 2007. And I think that's when I started to realise how language can affect people because they'd get so upset. And I talked to them about it and why, why is that so upsetting? But because I dress as, uh, I do what I, the, he was a gay man, he said, but I do what I do for entertainment. I don't want to be a woman. I dress as a woman for entertainment. So when someone calls me trans, that's upsetting to me. I'm a gay man. However, I'm a drag queen. Yes, so I started to look more into language then because I thought if that's so upsetting to somebody, then, you know, surely just educating people on not using that one word, it, it cannot upset somebody. I don't know why everybody doesn't want to do it more and just educate themselves more. 
Well, unfortunately, because there's there's still massive amounts of prejudice out there. Um, in general, the gender binary that we've been brought up with, and it, as you say, programmed to accept, says men are masculine, uh, they're the copers, they're the doers, they're the active people, they're the strong people. And so therefore, for any born, uh, you know, firm, um, sorry, it's the wrong word, assigned male at birth, people, those expectations are on their heads. You've only got to look at the kind of language that is used about, say, a slightly masculine girl who might be called a tomboy, but a slightly effeminate boy might be called a sissy or a nancy or a puff or a fairy. That's still there. That's still in the playground now. We haven't made that much progress. Whilst we still insist on a gender binary which puts us as extremes and puts us as opposites to one another, then you will have people who resist change. And and the people resist change, in my opinion, people resist change for two reasons. It works for them. So the privileged groups in society, the majority, um, you know, we, we, we've mentioned already the white males, straight male, etc. But it's straight people. They're in the majority. Um uh, and and males who benefit from patriarchy, they're going to resist change because they think that that change threatens them in some way. Um, and uh, you know that's that's the pro the problem with with the problems we have now, where people think it's becoming a far more liberal society, and we've got the law to back it up. But people don't have the access to that law. I mean, I I dealt with a case in my work a week ago where somebody had reported homophobic crimes uh, several times, had several crime report numbers, had reported it to True Vision Online, which is a, a, a hate crime reporting app online, and, uh, and to their housing association. And the last time they reported to the police, the police said to this person, well, you know, you're wasting our time with this. We have more important things to deal with. After all, was blood spilled. After all, was blood spilled. So the police are actually saying, I don't really care about persecution. Well, this particular police person was saying, I don't care about persecution of LGBT people. Unless blood is spilled, then it becomes a proper crime that I can deal with. So people aren't thinking about that upset that you talk about, that upset about the deep distress that it causes a person to be abused or to be, to be misgendered, um, you know, these things hurt deeply. Some people can't understand why it would hurt if somebody looks a certain way that in their mind presents as, say, male, but that person identifies as female. And if they say he wants this or he's over there, imagine, just try to imagine it if you're a person who, who identifies as you were assigned at birth. Imagine how you would feel if you went through a day at work and everybody called you she. And everybody said, oh, her over there. Oh, she's with the girls. And and you're a bloke. You just imagine the dysphoria that would feel. This happens to trans and non-binary people every day of their lives. Lots of times a day. It's microaggressions. It's why the LGBT plus community and particularly trans and non-binary people are the most vulnerable in society to suicide. Yes. Now, unfortunately... um. From doing a lot of research for the year, uh, I'm going to be running a, a group in, in August. The stats, I've uh, recently completed the mental health first aid um, training. I had the privilege of doing that with John. And 
that is the whole reason why I decided that I really wanted to push forward this event because the stats were just shocking. They're absolutely shocking to see the stats about how uh, people of the LGB plus community are treated differently, especially from doctors and the different treatment that we've get. Uh, it's just opened my eyes to things that I didn't know went on. And I think it's because on paper, I've got it quite easily. I don't look up. I'm a little bit alternative, but I could walk down the street and someone's not going to look at me and go, oh, she's pansexual. Do you know what I mean? I can, yeah. I can blend yeah. in. So it's not when I, I've not had any experiences uh, through healthcare or anything where I've been treated any differently. But that's because, as I said, I can, I can camouflage myself as it were. But yeah, some of the stats that have come out of, uh, it's, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't get it. I can't, I, I don't get why as a society we're so cruel to people when we, just because we don't understand things. I also appreciate that being a gay woman from my experience has been a lot easier than being a gay man. So I have a lot of uh, male friends who are gay and uh, they can't hide it as well or they don't blend in as well. So yeah, that, uh, they've had more difficult experiences coming out to friends where when I've come out to friends it's been quite easily accepted so I think I personally apart from being forced out in school have had an, an okay journey with being a pansexual it's affected some relationships before and again it's men that didn't want to be with a pansexual woman but talking about the whole sex thing because I mentioned um, that I was forced out at school so I lied and said that I wasn't gay. I then made up boyfriends uh, and said that I was seeing boyfriends out of school. I even lied about losing my virginity to a boy so I would fit in. So this is kind of at you, John. So obviously not being uh, forced out or anything, but from uh, a male perspective, did you do any lying in school, say that you had any girlfriends just to fit in? Because I, I, I was forced, I feel like they forced me into that situation. I was either this gay girl or I'm going to go and lie and tell them that I've had sex with a boy. So that's what I chose. Um, weirdly, no. I think I've always been quite countercultural in terms of. I definitely identify as male, and there was an interesting thing that came up um, from what you were saying, Levi, that I'd never thought about before. You know, that that idea of if someone was calling me she or her, how that would have affected me. Never thought about it like that. That that was really powerful to me, and I think that's a really effective thing to put to someone if they don't seem to want to listen. And what I mean by what I'm saying here is. The traditional masculine culture of like sex being almost uh, achievement. Um, I was quite a late bloomer in that sense. I late in terms of your sort of traditional standards. I, I lost my virginity at eighteen, and I never lied about it. Um, I did. I did have girlfriends, but I was always the least mature one. Even when I was in a relationship with a with a girl younger than me, they were always a lot more sexual than me, um, and I never felt the the urge to be that uber masculine oh yeah fucking hell like yeah i'm out there like you know jay from in between his style that was never me to the extent where and i don't mean to sort of have claim on this conversation being about it, me at all really but um i was sometimes questioned as to whether i was straight because of my perhaps more than usual femininity in the traditional gender sense uh, and the fact that I didn't boast about stuff like that and the fact that I'd had only slept with one person and, well, two people until I was 26 or something, which, I mean, I'd been in relationships and I'd been at university and, and just not done that. That just had, you know, um, 
So I guess my short answer is no, but I think it's because I'm a bit different to a lot of other men of my generation and my type. Um, although I did know a lot of other men that were also kind of like that. And I think I've gravitated towards people like that generally um, throughout my life. That's not to say I haven't lapsed into that traditional masculine mindset, usually when I've been at the lowest ebbs of my depression or my anxiety, to be honest. It's, it's almost like, a, I don't know, that primal part of yourself that's unfiltered because you can't do any of the critical thinking that you might want to do. Um, the more nuanced version of yourself, like I didn't have that to access. So, um, but yeah, I think I think that the, the concept of gender is such an interesting one to me because it 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 I think it links to almost everything that that I try and understand about this conversation because and and there's a, there's some really like things that I feel very ignorant about and almost scared to talk about because some of it I think seems to relate back to gender. Like if we didn't have gender, it things like drag queens wouldn't even be it wouldn't be a man dressing as a woman I mean, it would be a person dressing in a different way because that kind of way of being would not be identifiable with being a woman. So then it would no longer be the same quandary as, as what Levi is describing when he talks about that experience of being trans. But then I do wonder, and, I, and if this is an offensive question, please tell me, Levi, but I wonder if we didn't have gender, whether that, that, desire to sort of change the body you're in would be so strong that's the like that's from someone that's never experienced that feeling that how could i ever know that's the one question that i've never felt brave enough to ask but i you know i'm with a group of people that i trust to ask that question yeah 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 so yeah yeah. i mean i think the, the way i've experienced it with all the people i have met is it very much depends on the individual there are people whether they are trans or not who are very body dysphoric and if they can, they will change their body. They will change things about their body. So uh, a person who is trans can be highly body dysphoric and they, they feel the need to alter their body to either so that they can make the appearance more of the gender to which they identify. So that's partly to do with the response they're getting from the rest of society. But sometimes it is just because they cannot stand being in the body they are in. That was certainly the case in, in my case. I was very dysphoric about my body and always from a very young age. But that can happen whether you are trans or not. Um, so what I've, I've tried to imagine a sort of uh, happy future where gender, if it might still exist, but it might not exist, exist in such a, a strict way and people are just free to be human beings and it's not such a big deal what gender people are. And would would fewer people have surgeries? I believe yes, because I think some people have surgeries so they can, in the old words, and I appreciate this is not the, the current acceptable word to use, what we used to call, at my age, passing. So getting by without being noticed. Passing as who you really are. It's not the acceptable word now. You might say presenting or, you know, appearing, um, uh, feeling comfortable with how you appear you know you would use language which isn't making it sound like it's you have a duty to fit in um now i believe fewer people would have surgery if there was less stress on oh you appear to be this way therefore i will treat you that way you know if we just saw a human being and said how does that human being want to be treated probably how i want to be treated then then there probably there would be fewer but i believe there would always be people who are so dysphoric and, and so clear in their mind 
that this body does not fit who they feel they are inside. So that system still needs to be there. And in my opinion, should not be a system so bound up with legality, with psychiatry, and with other people in power making decisions about you. I uh, totally agree with uh, that, Levi. And uh, an instant instantly came to mind when you were talking then. I think it was at um, Piccadilly train station recently. So there was a, a trans lady there who hadn't had any of the surgery, but the, the the photo of her in the paper, she was beautiful. She looked like a woman. She was wearing a dress, but obviously hadn't had any surgeries. And she was being questioned about a ticket. And each time she was being questioned, the instructor was going, hey, so I've got him here and I've got this guy and I've got this guy. And in the end, she has turned around and gone, fuck it, and screamed at him. And she poured, I did lose it at him. I'm stood there. And you, the picture of her, she's clearly, clearly a female, yet he, was looking at the ID and was thought he was clever to keep on going and he and him and him and even called over to a colleague and went this guy here and that's when she screamed and went I am clearly not a man and I think if instances like that didn't happen then yes I do think less people would have the surgery because yeah you'd be comfortable as we said not the right words but yes so yeah i am getting a bit conscious of the time um i think it's been a really really good chat today and i would love uh to come together to do another one i was thinking about doing another one inviting it open uh to a few more people and yeah just having a little bit of a myth busting session i've really enjoyed having you here today john um i've enjoyed that you've uh, uh actually asked some questions and uh, the reason why I thought it was really important to have you here is because you've mentioned one once or twice, I'm scared to ask this question and I'm scared to ask this. And I think if the more people said, ask me anything, if you offend me, I'll tell you that you offend me and I won't answer it. But ask me anything. I think we'd live in a lot, a lot better society and people are scared of what they don't know. And I appreciate that people are scared of what they don't know, but you're never going to know unless you ask. So, yeah, I think we need to start the conversation more. And I'm glad that we've all started it here, guys. So saying that, let's move to our check-ins. Who would like to go first? I'll go first, if you like. Um, I've really enjoyed uh, this nice little podcast. It was really nice to get different um, opinions, especially from a range of different people. Um, And it's been really nice to, to finally meet people and being able to talk to people about um, different subjects uh, so no I've enjoyed it thank you so much guys really appreciate it thanks Dana it's been great to have you here go on I'll go now uh, mix up the order of things from before uh, I- I'm feeling um, I'm feeling quite proud of myself for for asking it definitely that last question that's something that I've never felt like I've been with a group of people that have lived that experience that I could trust enough not to judge me in the way that I don't mean it Um, and like you say I think it's really important that we're able to have those conversations because I'm quite despairing at the the polar discussions that we see about topics such as this not just this but almost everything nowadays Um, and as as, and what I'm taking away from what Levi said in particular at the end there is it's neither the far like one side or the other that's the 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 best place to have the conversation it's somewhere in between Um, and, and I've, I feel really appreciative of that um, as well. So thank you for having me here. I'm, I'm quite surprised at how much I did end up contributing. But to be honest, that's, that's always the way I bang on. So apologies for that. <laughs> no, thank you for being here, John. I think, uh, as I said, I think it was really important to have your voice here. And uh, I'm really pleased that you came along. So thank you. Would you like to check out Levi? 
Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it too. Um, it was nice to, to share some of my thoughts with a group of people with very different experiences. I feel, as usual, I might have talked a bit too much and not given you much of a chance, Dana. <laughs> yeah, you're um, right. <laughs> but, you know, if we're going to do more, I'd be happy to contribute. I think there's so much we could do. Um, we, you know, you could you could do one podcast just about things not to say to an LGBT plus person. Mm. <laughs> you could easily fill forty minutes with that, couldn't you? <laughs> um, but you know, there's so there's so there's so many uh, subjects around this which people could become more knowledgeable knowledgeable about in a in a unthreatening atmosphere. I would be happy to take part. Thank you, Levi. It's been absolutely brilliant having you here and, and uh, you sharing your experiences with us and just being so open and honest like you always are. Uh, and I'd love to have you all back again for the next podcast because I do think we've got a lot more to say. And I think we might even post some questions. Uh, I might even ask some anonymous questions from some of the community and we can go through those together. Um just to let you know about what we've got coming, got coming up with Proud About It Mate, our Proud About It Mate campaign starts on the 1st of August. Throughout the month of August, you'll see some social media posts. There's going to be uh, a small blog. There's going to be quite a large blog, uh, a couple of podcasts, and that's all going to lead up to the event, which is on the 25th of August, where we're going to be offering a peer support group for the LGB plus community and all those who... Um, support the LGB plus community. Uh, do you want to tell uh, everybody about the Talk About Your Mate events that we've got coming up, John? Yeah, um, so I, I strongly encourage everyone to engage with, with all of those things that Sarah is um, organising on behalf of the community. And the community, if you, you are or aren't aware, has other events that are sort of always going on. Um, we've got peer support on a Tuesday and a Thursday physically for those in the Greater Manchester area um, doing male peer support or those who identify as male. We've got online peer support for those who identify as male on a Wednesday. We've got online peer support for those who identify as female on a Thursday and mixed peer support on a Sunday, which is also online. We also have a walking group that leaves at midday in Monton in that's Manchester Salford way. Um, and we'll have all sorts of other social events coming up as well. But there's loads going on. If you want to find out anything that we're doing in the Talk About It Mate community, then head to either Meetup or just search for Talk About It Mate. And if you can't find us straight away, then do Talk About It Mate, Peer Support, Mental Health, Salford, and you'll find us eventually. Brilliant. Well, that's it then, guys. Thank you all again for being here. It's honestly been a really lovely conversation, and I look forward to doing it all again with you in the future. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.